Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, get lost. Are you directionally challenged? Do you find yourself trying to figure out which way is up or north or south? Dr. Giuseppe Yara, a pioneering researcher in the field of developmental topographical disorientation, is here to tell us why some people get lost all the time and how they can find their way home. Plus, Tony Anita Hall opens up the listener mailbag one nobody wrote, I feel bad for Adam Felber. I I mean, he has to sit quiet while Paula goes down crazy rants. I, he has to go through the stupid 100th caller contest. There's a lady who wants to sext him. Someone needs to rescue Adam from Paula. Hey, if you're listening out there, I'm being held here against my will. If you get this message before Paula gets on the line, please alert. Oh, here she is. Our show is starting. Great to be here. I'm Adam Felber, the man who tries to navigate our discussion through waves of irrelevancy and keep us headed for the North Star of Coherency. And now, please welcome the woman who may or may not have topographical disorientation, but who definitely has topical disorientation, Paula Poundstone! Hey, Paula! Hey, you guys! Hey, and, and, and thanks so much to tonight's house band, Nobody, Matt Evans from Goleta, California, on the electric guitar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, Adam. I, I... Yes? Um, you know, I've been having this... I've been having some problems this week because my... You remember the pod puppy? Yeah, Mo. Yeah, Mo, my pod puppy... Well, she's a giant part golden dog retriever now. and part Newfoundland. Exactly, she's she's big and and well headstrong, and um, she's been doing a lot of pranks. Like, uh, for example, she has been sending me emails saying that I'm doing Zoom shows for charities, uh, organizations I never even heard of. <laughs> Now, what what makes you think that's the doings of the pod puppy? She's just been doing stuff. Like, uh, okay, like even now, Mo, no, no, no. Okay. What is she doing? You know how I what sit on the, you know how I sit on the treadmill? Don't, don't push that button. No. <laughs> did she, did she just turn on the treadmill? Yeah. Paula? Yeah, bad oh, are dog. You okay? Bad dog. Yeah, that's bad dog. that's bad dog material. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, I'm so that's sorry, why Paula. I know it's she's just she'll flick the lights off when I'm walking through the kitchen and she just Jesus. does stuff now. 
Yeah, it's it's wow. weird. I got to get... That lady we had on that knew the inside of the dog brain, she, she, yes. she knew... This This dog is outside the... the you, you know, <laughs> this she didn't know anything about this dog. She was totally yeah, this on dog this dog. Yeah, this dog is way off the curve, I think. Yeah, exactly. You got to do stuff different. Uh, oh, my God. That really hurt my back. Are you back. okay? I think yeah. I'll be out right. Hey, Adam, I wanted to say that we are still having the 100th collar contest. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, I was pretty sure that was over. Uh, no, I believe it's been referred to as the stupid 100th collar contest. We are continuing the stupid 100th <laughs> collar contest. So keep the calls coming, you guys. Our 100th caller will receive any appliance from Roger Federer's appliance store for free and a chance to hang out with the very willing Adam Felber after the game. Um, very willy? Willing, I'm sorry. Oh, I, I didn't very lean willing. On, I didn't lean on my ing. Yeah, very willing that's Adam okay. Felber. Um, uh, that's debatable. I think I've made my position on this clear many a time. Um, I, there are several candidates that I would rather didn't win the 100th caller contest. So keep calling, you guys, because whoever wins, Adam, is happy okay. to join you uh, after okay. the game. Um, Great. You know, the other yeah. thing, Adam, that I did this week was uh, I had to get a— I'm just uh, going to rip up my agenda then, shall I, Paula? Go ahead. <laughs> um, I, I had to get a COVID-19 test. and Oh, uh, you did? And Why? I was so worried. I had this idea in my head— that the um, swab was going to be to swabs what a magician's scarf is to scarves. You, you know, I just had this idea that it was just going to keep going and going and going and like come out the backside of my head. But it, you know what? It was no big deal. It was 10 seconds. The guy counted it down. And um, I must have like really big nasal passages um, okay. And I don't know, I'm not a doctor, but I think it's because, and, all right, when I was a kid, I was a kid for oh, heaven's boy. sakes. When I was yes. a kid, I shoved a piece of candy up my nose. Um, As remember kids the do. Kind of, say that again? As kids do. My sister um, uh, did that with a green pea. I remember being in the doctor's <laughs> office with her when that was discovered. Yeah, well, I was never worked on by a professional. Uh, so it was the kind that comes in the necklace and you bite the pieces off. And we were going to West Virginia to see my grandparents uh, on my father's side. And I shoved this candy up my nose because it oh. seemed like a good idea. I, You know, I mean, I was, what, a freshman in high school, maybe? And uh, Wait, it's, what? It's, I was a kid. Uh, it seemed like. But a, but a freshman no. in high school, did you just say? Because <laughs> my sister did this when she was two. Oh my gosh! Well, I, I let me tell you, I never would have put a pee up my nose. What's the matter with her? Um, okay. No, I was a little kid. I was a little kid. I'm kidding. Okay. So, all right. So okay. I shoved this candy up my nose, and any number of non-professionals uh, eventually worked at getting it out, uh, and I think it's created. Like larger nasal passages, maybe, or at least because this nurse, I went to one of the drive through ones, you know, and this nurse, you could tell that he knew that I had at one time shoved a candy up my nose because, uh, 
Because when he was putting the um, swab in, as I say, he was counting. He was like one, two, and then he went like, who can take the sunrise? Dip it in some dew. <laughs> That's very unprofessional behavior. Cover it with chocolate and a miracle, miracle or, two. or two. The COVID-19. The COVID-19. Yeah. The COVID-19. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think there's a type of person that's done that when they were a kid. And uh, yeah. the pee people were in a different line altogether, so I didn't bump into your sister. Um, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's just weird. I really don't think it, it, that's who the thing. Who would do that? It, well, I mean, I, was... knew a, I knew a kid who put a pee in his ear once, but you don't shove a pee up your nose. What? I think you're huh. thinking about Captain Crinkle Bonnie Burns putting an earbud in her ear. Well, everyone puts earbuds in their ears. She, but losing she, it, yeah. What she did yeah. was forget to take it out. Um, yeah, no, that's and as I right. told you, that absolutely happened to me right. as well. I at first I was judgmental, and then it happened to me, and I understood how it could happen. I mean, you I walked a mile in her shoes. Yeah, exactly. Which is which is apparently more than she's done during this entire quarantine. And on that subject, let's go around the horn and. <laughs> what did you say? Oh my God. Yeah, we're gonna go around Why the board. I'm gonna change. I'm gonna change things up. I we're let's start with Captain Crinkle. Captain Crinkle, uh, Bonnie Burns, Paula's manager, our producer. How the heck are you? Uh, well, I'm good. Ugh. Wait, listen to the attitudes. You know, when I was growing up, I used to watch like I don't know, Carol Burnett, and I watched the the Tonight Show and. Never did Carol Burnett say, you know, we welcome our guest uh, Tim Conway, and Tim Conway would never go like, oh, well, oh. yeah, it's Just, the worst way to be yeah. a guest. Or, or Ed McMahon say, here's Johnny, and Johnny go, oh Jesus, oh come on, Ed. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't. It's, it's a bad attitude. <laughs> <laughs> well, because sometimes when I come here and I know we're going to do the podcast. I come here to the phone in my bedroom where we won't be able to hear pop and crackle or whatever you call them. Um, you know, I kind of have an idea what I'm going to say, but I really have no idea what I'm going to say today. I did go out on the lawn furniture this week, the expensive lawn furniture. <laughs> oh, so you wow. went, let me get this straight. You went all the way downstairs, <laughs> walked out your back door. And sat on that incredibly expensive lawn furniture that you got through um, uh, uh, Bezel or something dot com. Yeah, where I sprung for the seventy dollar pillows and the one that's shaped wow. like the corner so that it really fits in there snugly. And okay, this when is you embarrassing. Went, when you to, went outside, when you went outside to the lawn furniture, was the time change difficult for you? <laughs> no, but part of the reason for It's so going weird, to, I'm still on bedroom time but, yeah, Part of the reason for going out and sitting on the lawn furniture Is so my dogs won't pester me to play with them inside Like if they're out there They can't really like bring the ball and all of that Alright, as an astute you listener you, We cut you off just when you said And the embarrassing thing oh, Yeah, sorry. I had second thoughts about it Telling that story. I just no, said, I want to go, I go said, right I, I there. I decided to go to a really more embarrassing story. No, 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 no. no. Let's hear the embarrassing one. one. It's worse. <laughs> no, yes. when you were about to say I had second thoughts and you got as far as I had said, I expected the worst. Yeah. This one. <laughs> okay. This one Thank was you, for Tony. a while ago. 
I had a different okay. dog. Okay. So I think I must have been, I, I worked a lot then. It was before I was in management when I was still a producer. So I used uh-huh. to get home from work. I was really, really tired. And I had a Basset Hound dog. And I used to drive a uh, Jaguar XK. I'm not bragging, but I'm just giving you the idea of that. It no, was, you're bragging. No, I'm that not was, bragging. <laughs> that was before she was a manager. Right. Yeah, now exactly. she has, <laughs> Okay, so it wasn't now that she has big of a an car. empty sun-made raisin box with wheels, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was had a convertible top. Okay, and I lived up in Laurel Canyon, oh, and there were who would like think these, that's bragging? No, I'm what? saying because it's it's part of the story. Okay, okay. I don't Laurel know why Canyon, we're telling this story, but I love jag. that. That's not bragging. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> I'm driving my convertible Jag in Laurel Canyon. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. So, you okay. know, there and were, so you like, and Joni Mitchell were going where? Right. We were there. Was that whole group of singing people up there? So there were these dirt, you know, kind of like trail paths up there where there wouldn't be traffic. And I used to get in the Jag, take the Basset Hound. I'd start the car up, put him behind the car, start driving, and the dog would. Fly. Behind the car, chasing me, and that's how I took him for a walk. <laughs> you would walk your dog by having him chase your jag up and down Laurel Canyon? No, on the dirt path, so that he, you know, we wouldn't, he wouldn't be in danger of another car coming. Good, good thinking. And the other, and the other runners wouldn't worry at all about the <laughs> jag with the basset on chasing it, I don't ripping know, I up you the guys, dust. I thought you guys would think it was funnier. Funnier than what? No, it's a great story. <laughs> All right. I don't see how that um, story is the answer to the question, what's new, Bonnie? Well, no. I but, have to um... have something to tell you. <laughs> I see. So what's new with Bonnie is she's been reminiscing a lot. <laughs> About how she used to walk her dog by getting in her jag and driving around. <laughs> wow. No, I did want to say uh, Let me just say, thing. that's right. a different yeah. Bonnie Burns. Then apparently being a manager came into her life. And she dropped the mirrored shades and... Yeah. No, (laughs) I was doing a rock and roll show then. You're right. I was definitely, yeah. You were a different kind of person. I was working with the Allman Brothers and, you know, Billy Joel and... I had a different kind of... uh, The, what's her name? The Eagles when they were still together. Yeah, I the do. Eagles. Okay, wait. That reminds me. Uh, wait I'm a just, minute. This is worth telling this story. Wait a minute. I just okay. have to ask you one question, Bonnie. Are you the uptown girl that he refers to? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Mama. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I, I didn't know anything about that part of your life before. Oh yeah, that's me. I am the uptown girl. <laughs> yeah. Uptown girl, Uptown girl. In you've the been jag driving in your Jaguar. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I know this has nothing to do with the topic, but, you know, I've been accused of that before. Okay, here's an Eagles story, just really quick. So I'm doing this show, this rock and roll show, and the whole show was happening. with the Eagles, okay? And we ended up, like, kind of having to cut some of their song. And it was a peaceful, easy feeling. So they came in to hear it, and we're in the editing room, and Glenn Fry and Don Henley are standing behind me. We push the video, and they're hearing the music, and it's the shot starts on, like, the sun, and then it pulls out, and you see this whole, like, cactus scene in the desert. And Glenn Fry says to Don, fucking baby suicide. 
And I say to our PA, who was like a rock and roll groupie, I go, oh, my God. And she goes, no, 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 that's good. Everything they say is the opposite. Wow. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just want to say to all our listeners who sometimes feel like I uh, cut off Bonnie too early, that's what happens when I don't. <laughs> Wait, you don't think that was a good, funny story? Fucking baby That's a great suicide? story. It's a it's, really good story. It's a great story. It sounds like with the, not not the baby suicide and the fuck part, but the idea of saying everything the opposite just sounds like a Sesame Street episode with, with <laughs> Elmo on a silly day. Yeah, I love that Glenn Fry and Don Henley, were, for them, every day was opposite day. Yeah, well, that's yeah. a group of people that have spent too much time together on the road, right? Yeah. 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 So they just say, yeah. Wow. Shabbat Shalom. Uh, Shabbat Shalom, Bonnie. <laughs> hey, um Shabbat Tony Anita Hull, you're up no. next. Uh tell us tell us about no. that time you traveled with Supertramp in the eighties. Pass. I wanna pass. I'm not following that story. <laughs> There's no passing. I, 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 I drive Fucking my Toyota Yaris. <laughs> I drive a Toyota Yaris and talk to my phone. Pass. <laughs> you, you drive a, to, a Toyota Yaris? Yes. I never heard of that well, kind of car, a Yaris. <laughs> what is I'm it named passing. after? You can't pass. Well, t- Tony, uh, I'll tell you something about you. Uh, last week, you uh, you told us about watching the uh, binging on the Babysitter's Club yes. uh, series, right? Yep. Well, I'm happy to inform you that my seven-year-old daughter just started watching that show, and Thank she agrees you. with you that it's it's terrific. So you guys are going to have something to talk about <laughs> next time you see each other. <laughs> see, I and I use an air fryer. I sad existence. Oh, Move I on. forgot about the air fryer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See, oh if, bon- if Bonnie if if Bonnie had an air fryer, she'd use it. Uh, she would drag it behind her to get the dog to run. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Who wants a French fry? Who wants a French fry? <laughs> now, if you had an Air Glen fryer, that would be something. Ooh, that was clever. <laughs> you're welcome, everybody. All right, so Tony, you're you're passing for this week. Uh, you won't be she off. Can't pass. You won't be off the hook next week, young lady. Okay, I'll I'll come up with a good story to tell. Just tell yeah. us what's new. All right, Paula, what else? Adam, I have an auction. A what? I, I have an auction item. Um, it's, I'm so excited about this. It's from Pete Seeger, and I, I was able to get my hands on this. Pete Seeger, for those who don't know, was a singer, songwriter, and a five-string banjo player. Uh, he was also an activist. He sang on street corners, in migrant labor camps, in union halls, uh, he sang in schools, yeah. ch- churches, and concert halls, and he used to throw his head back and sing songs of protest and songs of laborers from all over the world. So I have for auction right now a piece of plaster. Um, one time when Pete Seeger was singing, he, he stood too close to a wall, and when he threw his head back, he knocked a chunk out of the wall uh, and and I have that chunk of plaster um, that Pete Seeger's head knocked out of the wall uh, when he was singing. And so uh, it's an online auction. And so let her rip. 
So just just to be clear, we're talking about folk icon Pete Seeger accidentally brained himself on a wall and broke off a chunk of plaster, and you are auctioning off that piece of plaster. Uh, yes, yeah. Remember how he used to, like, he would throw his head back, like a basset hound almost. Like, a, there was a hound quality, uh, except for it was joyous. And, uh, you know, sometimes his spatial awareness wasn't all it should have been, and so he knocked <laughs> okay. a chunk out of the wall, and I have that chunk of plaster right here with me. I was able to acquire it. Uh, and, uh, from uh, where? I, I get a lot of stuff from Don't Ask Acquisitions. <laughs> yeah. See, the, ver- the very name of, of Don't Ask Acquisitions has always made me question the uh, veracity of the, of the claims of these artifacts. But I would say no, that it's, it's a pretty cool... This is, you can see, um, y- you know, if you look at a picture of the back of Pete Seeger's head, you can see where uh, the back of his head hit this chunk and just knocked it right out of the wall. Uh, it's still a little bit dusty. Uh, a little bit breaks away when you touch it. So I, I'm trying to touch it as little as possible because I, I know that we're going to have a lot of bidders uh, yeah. here. Yeah, on, I can't imagine who wouldn't bid on that. Uh, yeah, it's a fantastic artifact, uh, and I'm really excited to have it. I love Pete Seeger. Um so anyways, we look forward to seeing the first of the online bids. Uh, and, sure, and Adam, sure. I, I also yeah. have a word. I'm full of so a many word. things Well, you have today. a word every week, Paula. I mean, that's that's exciting, but I'm expecting it. Well, don't take it for granted, Adam. There might be a week where I don't have a word, but I do this week. Um, you know, I'll tell you something. Listening to this show should be worth a college credit. Um, so this week's word is inveigle. <laughs> It's I love verb. that word. It's a great word. It's a verb yeah. that means persuade someone to do something by deception or flattery. Here, I'll use in this sentence. Trump tried to inveigle Comey's loyalty to him by telling him that Comey was almost as famous as Trump, which the president believes to be a compliment. So let me pop inveigle into my vocabulary song, and soon oh, it'll boy. be in use in my daily conversation. Here, here we go. All right. Wait. Okay, wait. I just, sorry. Oh. All right. Oh, boy. Here we go. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, um, this week's word is inveigle. It's a verb that means persuade someone to do something by deception or flattery. I love you, Mom. Will you buy me a new phone battery? Last week's word was revivify. It's a verb that means give new life or strength to someone or something. It happens when you eat a ring-ding. The week before that, we had parlous. (laughs) It's an adjective from old use or humor. It means dangerously uncertain precarious, like a maskless idiot with a virus. Going back before that, we had incommodious. It's an adjective that means causing discomfort or inconvenience, like when the meter maid doesn't show any lenience. And not long ago, we had kazooistry. It's a noun that means the use of clever but false reasoning. It's not wrong to eat meat if you use seasoning. Let's never forget Gallimaufry, which I pronounced wrong until nobody James Hyder corrected me. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge, hodgepodge. (laughs) 
Adam doesn't think my song is replicable, 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 but I do, I do, I do, I do, I do. All right. I do. Yay. Wow, Ooh, that was uh, quite a rendition of your vocabulary That's song there, Paula. That is a brainful right there. That, uh, yeah, you really, really a, did bring bring it all to us. Yeah, that's a lot of... I especially enjoy the uh, vocabulary part of the show. Uh, 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 oh, look, it's our favorite hand puppet, <laughs> Mrs. Culpepper. Welcome uh, onto our show. Well, thank you so much, Adam Felber. It's so lovely to see you. Um, I know you've been shacking up at Paula Poundstone's house all this time. How has that been? Uh, you know, uh, she uh, she tries to inveigle me all the time. She'll say, your your dress is looking so lovely, Mrs. Culpepper. And then she'll say, well, you sift a litter box. Well, I won't do it. <laughs> I, have, I do not enjoy the litter box chore, I'll tell you that. Uh, first of all, well, you, you know, maybe... where... I, my ruby uh, sateen dress uh, is not made for sifting litter boxes. It's made for uh, being seen out in the in the community, in the neighborhood. Oh, like in, like when, in, like when you and your husband, the captain, step out on the town. Well, we don't do that anymore, Adam Felber. There was a uh, no, not not during the the uh, the coronavirus, of course not. But as soon as that's over, the two of you can go cut a rug again. We, no, we will not be able to uh, 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 go dancing after the stay-at-home order and the absence of the coronavirus. Uh, uh, Captain Culpepper is uh, absent uh, to begin with. Absent? Uh, he's deceased, Adam Felber. He's not oh, with us. Oh, dear God. You know what? I, on some level, I knew that. I feel like you've told me this before at some point. I have. <laughs> Well, I, I apologize. It's insensitive of me to 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 misremember um, and constantly ask after your late husband. Well, uh, uh, frankly, it is a painful uh, memory, um, but uh, he left us uh, as a result of a, a terrible thing, a uh, tyrotoxism. Uh, oh, poisoning uh, by dairy or cheese. That's correct. Uh, it was very, very sad, uh, uh, a difficult memory. It was probably the Havarti <laughs> that hacked him. It was a Gouda that got him, Adam. It was the Gouda. Oh, was, it was a Gouda that got him. My mistake, Mrs. Culpepper. That's, that's, a, that's no really problem a, there. No problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, All right. Well, hey, Ad, Adam, uh, speaking. Yes, Paula. <laughs> Don't even speaking know what of brilliant minds, hello, it is I, French Trump, announcing to you, nobodies, that I have indeed read my briefing papers and will demonstrate my knowledge of the Russians at another French Trump presidential press conference mini podcast that drops each week on Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time. There is a three-hour time difference which I calculated with new computer and new scratch paper because I'm a very stable genius. Oh, thank you, Mr. President. We always do look forward to those uh, weekly press conferences. You really... uh. You really show the media a what for. It's very informative. I, I dodge <laughs> all of the media traps. <laughs> you, you, are the, you are the best of the crap dodgers. Oh, my Lord. Okay, <laughs> coming up, Dante began the Inferno with these lines. In the middle of the journey of our life, I found myself astray in a dark wood where the direct way was lost. 
Getting lost isn't fun, especially when you're headed for the Inferno. How to master spatial orientation, that's coming up when we return on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while, we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And I played I played Peter Quince. There. There's the connection. One of the mechanicals. That's a great connection. Also, yes, has nothing to do with this, which is that um, Quince is an online clothing store. And as you know, Paula, I've, uh, I've lost a little weight lately. Oh, right. 75 pounds. Yeah. So I literally have no clothes that are in my size until I just ordered some stuff at Quince. And I figured, like, here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself. A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i I think my eyes closed they're so it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that, too. Like, so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're European. Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kind of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Quince sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. Mo, get away from that. Mo, no. Oh, Jesus. 
Paula, are oh, you okay? I think I am. <laughs> On this day in unremarkable history, ventriloquist Edgar Bergen said, Lip schmips, it's radio. <laughs> Thank you, house band Matt Evans. Thanks, Matt. That sounded great. Yeah. Uh, Adam, Adam. Yes. Uh, we got our first bid for the plaster that Pete Seeger knocked out of the wall with his head when he threw his head back to... S- oh, man, you won't believe who this is from. Uh, Wilbur Ross, the Secretary of Commerce. What? Uh, yes, He's bid $1,500, the online bid for this piece of wall plaster broken off by Pete Seeger's head when he threw his head back to... It's Wilbur Ross. He's the U.S. Commerce Secretary. We also found out in November of 2017 through the Paradise Papers, the leaked electronic documents relating to the offshore investments, that Secretary Ross had financial ties to a shipping company whose clients included a Russian energy company co-owned by Putin's son-in-law... And Venezuela's state-run oil company. This Doesn't guy has made a bid of fifteen hundred dollars uh, uh, online. Well, I guess. Thank you, Wilbur Ross. Um, yeah, that's a, it's yeah. surprising. I wouldn't think of him as a huge Pete Seeger fan. Um, I have a couple no. questions about it, Paula. Um, sure. Number one, do we know what song Pete Seeger was playing when he bashed his head on that wall? Uh, no, I don't. I don't know that. I mean, it could be. Uh, you know, he, he sang so many songs. He he helped to write, arrange, or renew yeah. songs that have become synonymous with the struggle for justice. Uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Here we go. What? Now we're talking. Uh, okay. So we got another bid. Oh, thank you. Simon Hudendorn, a nobody, has bid $1,600 on the chunk of plaster. And, and it's a good-sized chunk, by the way, that Pete Seeger... Knocked out of the wall when he threw his head back singing. And and we don't know which. It could have been if I had a hammer. It could have been where have all the flowers gone. It could have been we shall we overcome. We shall overcome. <laughs> sure. Yeah. How about Michael Row the Boat Ashore? Did he ever do Michael Row the Boat Ashore? He did do that. Uh, okay. I mean, he, he, yeah. Yeah. He was he sang that song a lot. Um, and so okay. it could have been Michael Row the Boat Ah, like that. It could have been like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of which, Mo, yeah. get away from there. Mo, stop it. Mo, no. Oh, oh no. Damn it. Oh. oh, Jesus. Did Mo turn on your treadmill again? She did. Do you see what I mean? She's been doing a lot of stuff like that. Mo, get. All right, move. Get. Go get that litter and pull me to the urgent care. Ugh. Oh, my so, God. So, Paula, I hear that you have some trouble with directions. You know, Adam. I have gotten lost my entire life. I can be going somewhere. I've been many times before. It doesn't matter. My daughter, Allie, could give me directions in the car when she was a toddler. Now, do you think that's a thing? Is there something about my brain that that makes it like that? Um, You know, I've always wondered that, too, because, Paula, as you and I have discussed, um, I have a really good sense of direction. I can point north virtually wherever I am. So, yeah. Well, if, you, if this is... you can do it when you're with me because I, I can't contest that it is or isn't north. So that's cheating. Well, you trust Tony Anita Hall, don't you? She she can back me up on that. She's got a pretty good sense of direction, too. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, anyway, we have a the very person here who can answer these questions. Dr. Giuseppe Yaria is the director of NeuroLab, a cognitive neuroscience laboratory located at the University of Calgary. He's an associate professor in the Department of Psychology, a member of the Hotchkiss Brain Institute, and the Alberta Children's Hospital Research Institute. His research focuses on investigating the behavioral and neural mechanisms responsible for the human ability to orient and navigate in spatial surroundings. Please welcome Dr. Giuseppe Yaria. Thank you. Thank welcome, you so much doctor. for being here. Thanks for having me. All right, so I, we're so glad you're here, and I want you to know, sir, that I am facing left right now. Um, <laughs> and I am facing west. So is there something, Giuseppe, about my brain that makes me keep getting lost? Well, to answer this question, Paula, I would need to know, have you always been like that? Yes. Okay. Since the day I met her. And it's from, been, it's been almost 20 years now. Yeah. I mean, since you were a child or when you start driving, you probably uh, did have some difficulties in finding your way around as well. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when oh, yeah, driving, so, driving, you just get further lost because you yeah. you get you get farther away quicker. I know people who actually drive on the highway for 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 uh, for kilometers and miles, thinking they are going the right way and they are going to the opposite way. Yeah, so it that's is a wow. thing. <laughs> it is a thing. So it's a thing. <laughs> yeah, it is As a you... thing. It is a thing that uh, uh, we have discovered like about 10 years ago. It's a thing that is called developmental topographical disorientation. It's a very, very complicated word, scientific words. We refer to that to DTD, which I don't even know if it's easier to pronounce. <laughs> um, so it's a, <laughs> it's, it's a condition that um, 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 we have described about 10 years ago, as I was saying, people have uh, completely full capacities in terms of you know, cognitive functions. They don't really have any attentional problems or memory problems, as, as someone may point out to you. Um, but uh, they do have a lifelong history of getting lost, even in the most familiar surroundings. So really? We yeah, we have people who get lost in their own houses. Wow. wow. Paula, do you ever get lost in your house? I have not gotten lost in my house, but I went across the street. I've lived in this house where I live now for 17 years, okay. and or, or maybe 18 years now. I went across the street, literally a, across the street one time to visit a neighbor, and when I came out of her house, I could not find mine. You're kidding me. I mean, it didn't last for a long, long time. I mean, I stood there for a little while before I went, oh, that's it right there. But it was, I really had to go through these steps to figure it out. Yeah, you got wow. disoriented. You got disoriented. And so That's exactly there is what a, The reason why this happened, Paula, is because um, when, we, when we, in general, the people move within the environment, they form a mental map of where things are around them, okay? So it's not necessarily thinking about northwest, east. Um, it's it's really thinking about where your house is with respect to the grocery store, with respect to the pharmacy, with respect to the bank, and so on. So the reason we do that is because it's easier theoretically to remember a visual representation of these things and how they are 
related to one another, rather than trying to remember all the pathways that we perform throughout the day. So it's called the cognitive map. And it's, a, it's, a, it's something we refer to, you know, like a, um, um, as a mental map. And it's something that many people struggle with in terms of timing. Okay, so some people may take a little bit of time to become familiar with the place and other people may take a very short time, like, like, like you maybe, Adam. Uh, but yeah. at the end of the day, overall, everyone more or less creates a map in their mind of the most familiar place, except for those people, maybe except for Paula. Yeah, really? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe I should have a smaller dwelling. <laughs> I don't think that's well, the answer. Or I should, I should move to Polly Pocket's neighborhood. Maybe I just <laughs> should have a smaller neighborhood. Um, now, I also find, Giuseppe, that when I get nervous, my sense of direction gets worse. Do you think, from this brain perspective, do you think that means that some chemical is being released at that time that, that is further complicating my brain? Yeah, so uh, let me talk about the brain because I mean you're a scientist, right? So you you are you are you are hinting about the brain and you want to get some information from there. So this ability of forming mental maps and finding your way around relies on uh, extended networks in the brain, a lot of regions. So there's not one specific regions. Okay, there are a lot of regions from the front to the back of the brain that are involved in in this in this very important skill. But there are certain regions that are a little bit bit more. Uh, uh, um, involved. So in large networks, these are what we call nodes, like hubs, right? And so mm -hmm. one of these regions is very, very important for memory, and is a region within the uh, uh, um, the middle part of the brain, the, what we call the medial temporal lobe, and it's called hippocampus. So this mm -hmm. region is 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 wonderful for memory function. It's very very critical. It's also a region that is uh, significantly affected by stress, anxiety, depression. Right. So there are a lot of mental states that will affect that region, and therefore, yes, to answer your question, the uh, anxiety and stress can aggravate things in terms of orientation and navigation so calm down paula damn it calm down <laughs> yeah that is exactly what happens when I, I get to where i literally can't tell if numbers like i'm trying to find a number of a, a of an address i can't tell if the numbers are increasing or decreasing sometimes because i've been driving around lost for so long and yeah. the cure for that is to pull over and cry um yeah now <laughs> That's not really the cure, but let me ask you, Giuseppe, is there a cure? Is there a way to teach Paula to uh, consciously train to create mental maps? Or is, or is this just a deficit that she'll never be able to fix? Yes, no, there is a way. We're, we're working on that, right? So, Paula, there is some hope, right? And so um, uh, we, are, we have developed like a sort of a video game-like, you know, like a, a, a program that is available on our website. We have a website. It's actually not as popular as your show, but a little bit popular. It's called gettinglost.ca. And so if you go in there, you can find... I have to look that up. Yeah, you can find you can first of all if you if you go on that website you can find a variety of tests that tells you exactly what are your issues in terms of orientation and navigation because not necessarily for uh, uh, everyone is somehow affected by orientation and navigation so people may have different kind of other problems right but on the mm -hmm. same website we we have put, made available right now 
the very first training program that we have developed. We have done a preliminary study uh, just a few months ago, published in a, in a very respectful journal, where we we show that you know if people take that is a two week program, you know forty five minutes a day. We show that if people are consistently taking this this program for two weeks, they significantly improve in their ability to form cognitive maps and really and, and this is important because cognitive maps are important for everyone adam uh, like you know aging has an impact uh, has in fact an effect on cognitive maps you know like sure. there are a lot of other issues that affect this ability right it's it's surprising to me because i it, it seems to me like these cognitive maps is something that that people who who don't have a problem with it do unconsciously but it sounds like the, on on your website people are consciously learning how to do it does it ever become second nature yeah, so so there are two things. So the the there is the ability of forming a map, and so forming forming a map it takes some time, right? So if you want right. to have a mental representation of three or four elements, like you know landmarks or places around you, that that would probably take you know very little time. But usually our maps become richer and richer, right? So mm -hmm. you may uh, relate four or five spaces with one another, but then you add more details to it, right? So you had details, you had stories, you had memories, you had emotional memories, you had you know, a variety of things. So forming maps and making very good, rich maps, it takes some time. But you're right that the, the using a map that is formed, it's something that's what you call it second nature, something that is very, very implicit, it's very automatic. And in fact, it takes like a fraction of a second to make use of a map in order to decide which direction to go in order to go somewhere that you have to decide to go, right? So it takes a fraction of a second where you realize, okay, I am here in my in, in front of this pharmacy. I have to go to the bank. Boom. You just reorient yourself because you recognize the pharmacy. You picture in your mind where the, the bank is with respect to the pharmacy and boom, you go there. The, the decision to go that way, it will take really a fraction of a second. Then what happened is that on the way to the bank, you will kind of get confirmation about, you know, your, your, your travel and you say, oh yeah, that's fine. That's the right place. And then you notice things around, but your decision has taken just really a fraction of a second if you already have a map, right? I, you know what? I'm so bad at this that when I was uh, in between the pharmacy and the bank, I ended up um, uh, taking uh, two quarters by mouth per day uh, uh, with food uh, 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 <laughs> yeah, instead so of, yeah, I almost choked. Did you end up at a laundromat or something? No, I went to the bank instead of the pharmacy. Oh, I see. <laughs> It would be a different problem, Paula, if you go to the bank and ask for some medication or you go to the pharmacy and ask for money. So that's it will become a yes, little bit of exactly. a different problem. This is what I'm saying. This is exactly Very what happened. Very different kind of problem. Two quarters a day I was taking by mouth with food. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So you can cure Paula on your website? I can try to cure power. You know, I can I can spend like <laughs> weeks with power. I will I will that would change well, more my life in a very positive way. Than, I think than it would. Life. You know, yeah. here's a here's a technique, Giuseppe, that I use that maybe you could uh, pass along, which is if I'm trying to go somewhere to uh, you know to somebody's house for dinner or to an audition or you know to some place where I don't know how to get there and I get lost. I do a thing where at a certain point, 
I will call the person where I'm supposed to be going and I'll say, look, I'm very, very lost. I'm going to tr- I'm going to try for 15 more minutes. And if I can't get there, then I'm going home. And you know what? In all the years I've been doing that, only one time did I have to go home. But once I establish that I only have to go through this really difficult thing for 15 more minutes, it usually works out that I can find it. And so, so motivation motivation plays a big role into that, right? And seeing probably like, you know, uh, the end of the tunnel, right? So you really put some some time on your on your on your uh, on your behavior that um, you know it kind of makes you relaxing a little bit because you already have made a decision, right? So you say, well, I'll go home. Right. I think that's exactly what it is. Yeah, you you relax. I sometimes get lost on my hippocampus. <laughs> I've I've heard you get lost in the middle of a sentence, Paula. It's happened. Yeah. Now, just Abby, let me ask you. Paula has kind of misplaced her hippocampus, it seems. Are there other problems that she might have that are related to that? Are there, you know, are there, are there problems that tend to tend to cluster around people who have this kind of spatiotemporal dislocation syndrome or whatever calling it? We haven't, you know, like we haven't really found anything that is, uh, and we have thousands of people on our website with, you know, like, uh, uh, I mean, there is only one Paula Poundstone, okay? But there are a lot of uh, people with similar (laughs) symptoms like Paula. And so uh, it's, it's, uh, it's not, what we have found is not significantly related to anything else because people will start, you know, like kind of speculating on memory problems or, or the reason why this has been described, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not smarter than any of my colleagues who have been studying this. It was really coincidental that we found this person, but these people got kind of mixed up with, you know, the usual story. Of, oh yeah, you don't pay attention. You're too oh, focused right. more. You're too, you're too distracted. Blah blah blah. Right? This right, is right, absolutely right. not true. These people have no attentional problems. These people have no memory problems. This condition is not necessarily correlated with any other, you know, cognitive decline later in life. No, it's just a, a developmental condition as many others. And, you know, and, and people take it, you know, take it differently, right? So Paula has developed her own, like, a, 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 a coping mechanism. Other people sure. have developed other strategies. Paula, I have I have known many people who will say, I would love to come and have dinner with you. Please come and pick me up. <laughs> uh, and so that that is that works as well, you know, like, and sometimes a cab, works as well but it's a it's 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 a little bit tiring when you spend your entire life you know like struggling with something that many people you know take take for granted right and so it's it's that's why we are trying to develop something that provides a more of a a reliable uh, you know like tool which is not necessarily a coping mechanism but developing that that ability right so that's Uh a That's an important thing. Like some sort of exercise or something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you and love I, exercise, Paula. I do love exercise. Well, you know, Henry David Thoreau said, not until we are lost do we begin to understand ourselves, which means that Paula must understand herself very well indeed. Stay tuned to hear more about how to avoid getting lost. The Cat of the Week is Hazel from Niceville, Florida. Hi, 
Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress with my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. And we're back, and we're back with uh, Dr. Giuseppe Yaria, unless he got lost on his way back to the microphone. You still with us? <laughs> yeah, I didn't move. I didn't move. <laughs> How's your sense of direction, doctor? My sense of direction is pretty average, considering, which basically means it's really bad, considering all the scientific knowledge I have. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
Well, when you do your research, are you in a hospital? I, I do both. I do research in a hospital. I do research uh, uh, in our uh, lab on campus at the university. Hey, I also do research at NASA, if you're interested in that, because astronauts have problems with orientation when they travel to space. So I wow. do research on, on a variety of space. I do research at uh, uh, Children's Hospital as well, just to try to understand. Because people get lost in hospitals. Yes, yes, Paula. But that is an architectural problem. <laughs> so That's the right. reason why people get <laughs> lost in hospitals is because, number one, uh, government never really dedicate that uh, significant amount of money to build a very nice hospital. Usually it goes in pieces, okay? So you, use uh -huh. more, right. you have one building and then you had another building and then another building. And yep. meanwhile, 50 years went by. And so, uh, you know, this complex, which is a medical center now it's called, not even an hospital anymore. So it has like different buildings with different infrastructures, with different mm -hmm. like uh, basement and stuff. So it's so normal to get lost in a hospital. So normal. Don't worry about that plus it's not even like trying to get through your neighborhood because at least in your neighborhood you know you look at this house and it's betty's house and you look at that house and it's bob's house but you know you walk down the hallway in a hospital and people keep changing yes yes <laughs> if betty and bob would only stay sick you'd be fine paula exactly yeah. <laughs> like, like wait a minute when i walked by here an hour ago there was an old lady in that bed what no? well you know that's a that's a rule of thumb that i don't even need to consult the doctor about yeah. don't use people and animals as landmarks because they move yes oh, and even man. also cars i will <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i'm parked beside the red car yeah i guess that's okay, not yeah, a good yeah. idea um hey let's get into um are there gender differences? You know, there's that stereotype that there's two stereotypes. There's stereotypes that women get there's lost. There's thousands easily. of stereotypes. Yeah. There's I, only I, two I in the venture, world, Paul. I would venture there's millions. These are of the stereotypes. two. <laughs> These are the two about directions. One, one is that women uh, get lost much more easily, which I might be. I, I don't know. And the other is that men refuse to ask directions. Which I think yeah. is probably true. Yeah. yeah. It's one of the millions of stupid stereotypes. Yeah. Okay. Because the reason for that is that uh, with being a woman or a female or being a man or a male, uh, there are other things that come out with that. Okay. So when you think about genders, it just doesn't tell you anything. It doesn't really tell you that much. Right. So okay. uh, it's a too much, too much of a big category. Right. So uh, there are a lot of people who study gender differences in orientation and navigation, but, and we did it too in our lab. We do it, but we try to dissect that specific orientation skills into different skills that we know they, uh, you know, like uh, being one gender or the other may actually uh, play a, a critical role. So women are, you know, wonderful in remembering landmarks. They can recognize landmarks very, very well. Okay. You know, men are really good at uh, uh, metrics. You know, they remember distances and stuff. And, and so, th but when it comes to orientation and navigation, it's so complicated in terms of different strategies that you can use to find your way around that it's right. really, it's really limiting to think in terms of gender. So when you think about, you know, orientation, you think about what kind of strategies do you use for orientation? Do you have a bias? in using landmarks, right? So bias, for example, is a more interesting, more important element to talk about rather than gender, because if someone has a bias in using landmarks 
instead of remembering left and right body turns, well, then the place where that person lives or tries to find his or her way around, it makes a difference, right? So so gender, no. It's like, you know, it's too much of a big concept and it doesn't mm -hmm. really help people to understand what really the differences are in terms of orientation skills. Mm -hmm. Excellent. That's a, that's, a, that's a really interesting answer. Um, now, Plus, you're, with, you're... with so many malls... Um, with stores, mm -hmm. you know, closing down or going belly up in malls, that's another reason why landmarks don't always work too. Yes, you know, it, you know, it's, uh, it's it's up near the Hello Kitty is about as effective as near the red car. Yeah. Well, um, no, because I, I I'd say <laughs> store stores tend to put stay put a little bit longer than vehicles, Paula. Some not now. Not nowadays, no. <laughs> sure, a lot of stuff is closing. Yeah, but when you have, Adam, like, you know, 25 stores that sell clothes all around you, ah, that's our brain is challenged in, in trying to remember where where is that specific one? Where did I yeah. see that specific, you know, pants? Right, and yeah. Stuff? Um, yeah. When I'm, you know, when I'm walking and someone is driving and they pull over and ask me for directions, I feel so bad for them. I'm just like <laughs> you are the unluckiest. <laughs> so what do you tell? What do you tell them? Uh, I I use every now and then. I if it's something really simple, I can eke out a clear answer. But a lot of times, I I say um, like I'll be walking like just a block from my house, and they'll ask me directions, and I go, you know what? I don't live around here. <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> Yeah, no, that is asking me for directions is really, really sad. I was one night, um, I had just uh, been working at Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, and a couple that had been at the show uh, came up to me on the street outside the show, and they said, and I've been doing that job for um, 17, 18 yeah, years. Yeah, a long time. And so somebody comes up to me, and they wanted to know if I knew a, a good place to eat. And I said, you know, I only know one place to eat in Chicago. Uh, and it was the Italian village, which is like right across <laughs> the street. From the Chase from, Bank Auditorium, yes. Right, it's right across the street from where we tape, wait, wait, don't tell me, which is why I know where it is. And so I described <laughs> to them how to get to it. And they say, thank you so much. That's so nice of you. We're going to go there right now. And they turn and they walk in the opposite direction of me. I turn the other direction, going back to my hotel. And then I realize I'm disoriented and I can't find my hotel, which means I just gave them the wrong directions. So wow. I turn around and I run and I run and I'm wearing clunky shoes and I run and I run and I and I yell, hey, people who just asked me for directions, like because I didn't know their <laughs> names. I'm like, hello, hello. And finally, I get them to stop and I make my way all the way up to them and I go, okay, it's a really good restaurant, but uh, it's around here somewhere. I'm not sure where. And then I, I figured out. But uh, Paula, yeah, did you did you have any siblings or, par or any of your parents who had the same problem? Not to the best of my knowledge, but you know, one of the things. But I they. Think but no, nobody in that family has seen each other in years. They got separated. Yeah, um, it's not been intentional that we don't get together. We've, oh, yeah. you just got lost. We have, uh, yeah, we have reunions every year. Just no one has been able to attend. <laughs> yeah. Giuseppe, uh, what about animals? I mean, if I'd imagine if there was like a, a Canadian goose that had this kind of dysfunction, <laughs> they, you know, if they lose sight of the other geese, they're never going to make it to the migratory grounds. 
Yeah. Yeah. So some animals live in a in a in a, a little bit of a simpler life. They go they go stimulus response behavior, right? So they basically they kind of know what to do. They 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 hunt for food. They usually go the same paths. You know, they live in the same neighborhood. The problem is, and you know, when we invade their territories, right? So we, right. they do get disoriented. That's why. Here, where I live, we have some bears around from time to time came down to garbage, you know, cans and stuff because they do get disoriented. Where, so, where do you live, Giuseppe? I, I live in Vancouver and oh. um, in BC, in British Columbia. Um, well, that explains Canada. the accent. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> well, <laughs> when you said that there were bears around sometime, uh, I thought for sure you'd lived near Dolly Parton because you know there's bears. But you know what? In Italy, in Italy, there is a beautiful park in Abruzzo. Uh, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a national park. We're, we have bears there too, right? So it's very, very beautiful. No. I didn't yes, know Italy yeah, yeah, had yeah, bears. Yeah. Yes, Europe yes. has bears. Yeah, 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 but yeah, not yeah. Italy. They stop yeah, at the border. Yeah, 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 yeah. They yeah. don't stop them at the. Well, how do you stop bears <laughs> at the border? No, bears just stop at the border. They, 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 they're nervous about Italy. Wow. No, I never thought of Italian bears. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're <laughs> wow. gorgeous. Uh, as you can imagine, they're gorgeous. So. You know what? You can always spot an Italian bear. It's the one whacking the other bear on the shoulder when it talks. <laughs> That's exactly how you do it. (laughs) (laughs) You have such a great accent, Giuseppe. Oh, Um, thank you. I I have to say I never really made an effort to try to hide my accent. Like, I'm really, I'm really proud of it. Yeah, you should be. I Uh, was stereotyping you the whole time. I thought this guy (laughs) is like this really handsome Italian guy speeding around in a Ferrari over there in Italy. And now it turns out. You live in Vancouver? Is that what you said? Yeah, and then, Paula, you haven't seen me, so you can say I'm handsome. Second, I'm an academic. Ferrari for us does not really, is not part of our job description. <laughs> so, yes. You have a gr- the wrong picture, but I like it, so you can keep it in your mind. It's my map. It, it's my, it's, it's my map of stereotypes. That's what, I like that's it. what I'm asking. Like <laughs> so, Giuseppe, one more time. What's that website for people to go to? It's gettinglost.ca. Gettinglost.ca, CA being for Canada. Oh, wait, I have to ask you guys one more question. You know how we've talked about these varying degrees of ability with directions and landmarking and uh, map in your head? Okay, do any of you remember getting lost in a department store when you were a kid? Getting no. lost? No, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. You never did. That was like a regular part of going to the department store with my mother. I was always getting lost. And don't you remember when they used to call out over the PA? They'd say like, "We found like a you know a little boy with a blue shirt." And yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. That was me. Um, wow, you were the little boy in the blue shirt. No, here's what I was. Okay, so. If something like that happened, and in retrospect, I understand, I think it would scare her. And her reaction to being scared was she would get mad. So, and I did, I got lost almost every time I was in the store with my mother. But once I realized that I turned around and she wasn't there where I thought she was, now I had to do like duck and cover so that I didn't get discovered by the department store employees Okay. right, I had to get to my mother before the department store found me because if they announced over a PA 
that I had been lost, that that would be, I I would never, I would be in big trouble. Yeah. So it was okay. such a. So this was. So your question wasn't really a question so much as a. <laughs> no. I thought for an sure. An entree into telling this story. No, I thought for sure that would bring back such visceral memory because maybe adults don't get lost the way I do, but kids get lost, don't they? So yes. how yeah. could how could none of you have ever been lost in a department store? That's insane. Well, we had a, the the place where I grew up, Paula, had a department store. It was only one room. <laughs> so the only department <laughs> store in the village in the south of Italy. So that would have been a little bit more challenging to get lost there. Oh, but well, that I agree explains with you. it. I agree with you. Kids get lost in department stores. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that mystery is now solved. <laughs> My son got lost at Disneyland once. Um, we just turned around. And he wasn't there. And I was looking. We were near the water at that lake thing where the Mark Twain paddle boat goes. And we're literally peering over the edge, looking into the water, thinking that he had fallen in. And uh, you oh know, my God. We hadn't yeah. really moved into panic mode yet. And so it didn't last very long. Within, I don't know, a minute or so, a security guard comes up to me and he has my son by the hand. And I have no idea how they knew that I was his mother or how he directed them to where we were. I, I don't know. Um, but the guy comes up to me and and <laughs> I said, and I said, oh, thank you so much, of course, you know. And he takes a sticker and he slaps it on my son's back. And he says, write your phone number on that sticker. Because apparently that's a technique they use there because so many kids get lost. And that way there you can call the parents. And so I never asked him, like, how did you manage to get where we weren't? Um, Did you know you were where we weren't? Were you deliberately going? I I don't think I ever asked him because I got um, distracted because as I'm writing the phone number down on his back... Uh, my daughter Allie says to me, "Mom, that's not your number." <laughs> <laughs> so, I haven't seen that lovely boy since. He was a great son, though, and I'm glad I had him for a while. Um, so, Giuseppe, it's because your department store was small. Uh, not a lot but- of departments in it. In in no, I grew up in a village with one single one room department store. One cafe and a post office and a post office in a tobacco place. That's it. Well, wait a minute. Then how can you be a person who 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 studies people getting lost? Well, because I I I was fascinated. I went to university and you know I was I was in psychology and neuropsychology later and neuroscience and I I was fascinated by the varia- the difference among people in terms of orientation skills. You know, like mm-hmm. we. We talk about your case, Paula, and it's a it's a it's a significant case. But the the, the interesting thing about orientation and navigation is that there is a huge variability in how people find their way around, and mm-hmm. and it's difficult for many many people, even even if these people do not have an orientation problem. And so mm-hmm. I found it was very interesting for me to try to explain how the brains accounts for this variability, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's basically the core uh, of my of my research, right? Got ya. Wow. Well, thank well, you so much. Thank you, Dr. Yardier, for getting us pointed in the right direction about navigating and spatial surroundings. And now we're going to take that information and run it through the old pounce Paula? All right. House band guitarist Matt Evans, uh, if you could give me a little background music 
Uh, I'll tell you what I learned. Uh, it's Giuseppe to the rescue. This was so helpful. I'm going to go on the gettinglost.ca website and find the exercises that can reduce my chances of getting lost on my way to the Hippocampus Activity Center if I should ever attend Hippo University. I used to think I was the only person who could lose the Indy 500 because I had to pull over and ask directions at the 400. Almost every set of verbal directions I've ever been given when I pull over begins with, okay, make a UE wherever you can, turns out it's not just me. I, I, I imagine the Get Lost support group was useless until they stumbled on the invite a map brain theme, but <laughs> it really took off after that. Hansel and Gretel, by the way, were fabulous keynote speakers at the first annual convention. Their when breadcrumbs aren't enough speech brought the house down, which was too bad because that house was a landmark for many attendees who never made it home. <laughs> he is the director of Neurolab at the University of Calgary. Thank you so much for being on our show, Dr. Giuseppe Yaria. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I have a lot of fun. Coming up, we promised it, it's here. Mailbag! That'll happen when we return on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. <laughs> Fun fact, the average person has two to nine pounds of bacteria in their bodies. A fact that led to the 1934 novelty hit, Is That Streptococcus in Your Pocket or Are You Just Glad to See Me? <laughs> and we're back. Thank you, house band Matt Evans. Uh, well... Paula, Tony Anita Hall has a ton of mail in the old Poundstone podcast mailbag, and we ha also have some reviews from Apple.com. So, Tony, it's time for you wait to Wait a minute, wait up. a minute, wait a minute, Tony, hold wait. on just a second. Wilbur oh Ross has made another online bid. He's bumped the bidding on the piece of plaster knocked out of the wall by Pete Seeger's head. He has bumped it up to $1,750. Uh, so that's where we oh, are. Wow. $1,750. That's an online bid. Uh, by the way, on December 19th, 2018, the Center for Public Integrity reported that Wilbur Ross failed to sell a bank stock holding within the required time after his 2017 confirmation and signed ethics documents saying it was sold. That guy... That Wilbur Ross, Secretary yeah. of Commerce, just bid seventeen. Uh, it's one thousand seven hundred fifty dollars on the Pete yeah. Seeger uh, plaster. Well, Paula, I think it's fair to say that that was for lack of a pen. If Wilbur had a pen, he'd have signed it away in the morning. He'd have signed it away in the evening, all over this land. <laughs> I think it's just. I think. I think, I think, I think it's just like. I, I. I. It seems to me that. He couldn't possibly have anything uh, in common with Pete Seeger. I think he's just a guy who wants to take stuff, uh, you know. He, from might, he other might need. He people. might be replastering a wall for all we know. No, I think he just. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Sharon wait, Silcox. 
Sharon Silcox, a nobody, just just bid $1,850. Thank you, wow. Sharon Silcox. I, I, you know what? I don't mind saying it out loud. I don't want Wilbur Ross to have this. It's too cool. Uh, good well, for you, Sharon Silcox. $1,850. Uh, thank you. All right, let's do mailbag. Yeah, th- th- you know, a- as Pete Seeger might sing, uh, this plaster is your plaster. This plaster is my plaster. <laughs> Just wanted to get that out there. Although that yeah. might have been Woody Guthrie. Anyway, um, yeah. uh, Tony Anita Hall, can you step up to the mic? Because it is time for Mailbag. Yes. Mailbag. Yeah. Oh. Sorry, Adam. I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, so That's all right, start- Tony. What do you have in Hopper for us? <laughs> so hold on just, off- just a minute. Uh, hold on. Wait, how's it, how's it go? Mailbag. Is that it? Yes. That's exactly okay. it. Uh, so what is it, Adam? Mailbag. There we go. Go ahead, Tony. Mailbag. Sorry to interrupt. Yes. That's fine. That's fine. Go ahead. Tony, what do you got for us? <laughs> well, we're going to start with some iTunes reviews. So all, okay. all five, all five star. Um, the first one is titled "The Best Podcast Ever." Paula has wow. anal leakage in the mouth, and Adam is on every show. <laughs> if Paula, if Paula stopped talking, she would die. This podcast is like living in Paula's mind. It's almost all gibberish. Wow! wow. That that we gotta get some part of that at least up at the at the website with the almost all know, gibberish is a great pull quote. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, it's uh, I like that. If we were gonna rename the podcast, I would call it. I would call it almost all gibberish. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, no, we have some. Uh, you know, our interview segment is decidedly not gibberish. It's helpful. Information. I, I I like to think of our podcast as a a hoot nanny of information and laughs. I that's great. A hoot nanny. Um, yeah. I would like to say that when it comes to calling us almost all gibberish, I feel responsible and proud of the almost part. Oh, do you think you're in charge of the almost? <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's my job around here. Tony, what else you got? Another five stars titled Trying to Write a Joke Here. Uh, I'm just a nobody, so why should I write a stupid joke for this review? Nobody's going to laugh. All I can hope for is that when the time comes, I'm going to die laughing from this wicked, excellent comedy. And when I am dead, there's going to be an epitaph on my stone that reads, It was the Paula that got him. Oh, <laughs> wow. That's great. That, that is a reference a, to Mrs. Culpepper. It's a it's a tapestry of of yeah. inside. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone uh, dirt. Um, uh, that was great. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you. But you know, if you're writing reviews for the general public, maybe the inside jokes is not the way to go, huh? Doesn't matter. You know, All right. what did we learn? What did we learn from Seth Golden? We don't want everyone. We want. I feel like we didn't learn anything from Seth Coden. I feel like he had a lot of good information, and we put none of it into practice. That's not true. He said, "Stay peculiar." Wait, Mo, no, Mo, no! Ah, damn it! Oh no! Did your dog just activate your treadmill again? Yeah. Can you hear me? Uh, I'm not near the mic anymore. I shut. 
I'm in the closet. Uh, no, I'm not gonna throw that fucking ball for you. Bad dog. Uh, while you get yourself composed again, uh, Tony, what you got? Um, so now I'm gonna reach into the actual mailbag. Um, okay, mailbag. There you go. Uh, the subject of this email was Campfire Girl Camp, Camp Latoli in Texas. Wohilo was bogus Native American for work, health, love. It was part of a song. We had s'mores. A girl in my tent regaled us with stories of her medical experiments on small animals with the aid of an easy bake oven. Love, <laughs> Deborah I. Wow. Well, that's yeah. a that's all over the map right there, Deborah. Um, yeah. Wow. It was a, um, what was the name of the camp again? Camp Latoli. Yeah, which is uh, Latoli, which is a fake Native American um, word for uh, taxidermy, literacy, uh, tolerance, and <laughs> and Lisa, who is the camp director. <laughs> It was a small camp. It's a yeah, very small camp. Camp Latoli. Uh, but no, In no, fact, no. They, we covered last used... week that Wohilo was a was a made up uh, portmanteau, if you will. Oh no, I didn't anagram. know that. I did we yeah, talk it's, about it's, that last week? We did talk about it last week. It, it was never a Native American word. It 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 means um work yeah, we talked about it last week. Work yeah, uh, it's health work health love. Work health love. Oh, but I never, I never understood that it was a made-up word. Oh, that's, I feel like such no. an idiot now. It might not to... be made up. No, it's made maybe. up, Bonnie. It's made up. It's... <laughs> yeah, whoa, he, low, which are does that all, does that make work, your childhood a health, lie? Love are all English words. Oh, and the Native American languages didn't come from. Just taking the first two letters of each English <laughs> no, word. No, that's offensive. <laughs> no, no, but 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 to to be fair, in Bonnie's defense, and I can't believe I'm uttering that phrase, but in Bonnie's defense, it's conceivable that work, health, love could have been a mnemonic device to help people remember the Native American word "wohilo." It could have been that. It's not. No, but it, it could wasn't. have been. No, it isn't. No, no. I'm so you're saying. mistaking a code for a language. Yes. Yeah. All right. What's up? That's what else? why that's why I went to camp dot dot dash. <laughs> it's a, it's a, a it's Morse code based camp. <laughs> yes. Dot dot dash, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Which All right. what does that say for way, a ball? Well, <laughs> hilo. <laughs> so many dot, different dot, dot, dot. So many different yeah. cultures want to want. Well, by the way, what does that mean? Work, health, love. Why does anybody? And that's a good night <laughs> word. It was. So, say you were say you were your kids are little again and you're tucking them in, right? Oh, and God. then you st- you've, you've turned the lights out and you've stepped out. Do you do you poke your head back in and go work, health, love? No, that's a weird. <laughs> Bonnie, when you were at work. that camp, you had no idea they were saying work health love to you, right? No. I just All right. thought. <laughs> you thought it was a greeting, like Shabbat Shalom. It Shabbat yeah. Shalom, <laughs> which you had wrong. 
Yeah. Okay. Oh, she, we're not even opening up this can of worms. Oh, no, with, we're not. With all your Jewishness, you had that wrong. Yeah, I didn't. No, you said happy Saturday. Well, it's a somewhat it's sardonic not happy Saturday. It means peace. No, shalom means hello, goodbye, and peace. You know no, what? I looked it up. It means peace. Mom, shalom Dad, means hello, if you're going to fight peace. like this, I'll just walk to school. <laughs> No, you're absolutely right, Paula. Tony, let's move on. Get us out of here. I'm not spending weekends with either one of you. How about that? <laughs> okay, wait. I looked up Bohilo. Oh, thank you. Wes, I know. just now? We've done this before. You <laughs> no, no, no. We covered it's, this no, last because week, Bonnie. I just, no, the, you know the what? Weather to see if it was Native American. <laughs> Bonnie's back at her summer camp, Camp oh Deja Vu. God. No. It's a campfire. Oh, campfire made up the word. Yeah. The yes! campfire girl. That's yeah. what the we were saying. Girls. Nobody doubted that except you. When did you say it? <laughs> We've, we did say it. We before. said it earlier. Oh, well, I was While busy you were looking, looking up it up, word. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Shocking. Shocking. Tony. You know what's Tony. interesting? Shocking. <laughs> you know. Tony, put your foot on the gas pedal and get us out of here. <laughs> you know, no, but. Bonnie is a little bit hard of hearing, and and I'm sympathetic to that to a point. But here's the thing. She also is almost always doing something else when you're talking to her. And then she sort of pretends like, oh, boy, it's that, yeah, the follicle, the hair follicle where I hear it. My hair follicles are... My follicles are acting up tonight, so I I couldn't hear you while I was learning how to juggle on the internet. Um. Yeah, meanwhile, she was over at CarMax getting another uh, uh, convertible. uh, Jaguar. Thank you, Jaguar. Um, Yeah, I don't like CarMax. Good God. (laughs) That was the takeaway. That was the takeaway. Tony, be Calgon. Take us away. What's Um, next? So, you know, regarding Doug the intern, a lot of theories floating out there. But I have to say, um, one of our well-known guests who never showed up is involved in a lot of theories. So here's one of them. Um, From a concerned nobody named Eric, was Doug the intern investigating the whereabouts of Thomas Coyne? Do you think there's any connection between the two mysteries? Again, that's from Eric. Very interesting. Um, for those of you who haven't been following this, um, we've been accused of fabricating this, the life and death of Doug the intern to turn this into some kind of true crimes uh, podcast that you have to listen to every week. That, Which no, is I mean, not that something that we week. would do. That's it's not, not our, something it's we not would our do. style. No, uh, not at all. In fact, one of the things that Doug used to always say to us when he was an intern, and frankly, I found it insulting, um, yeah. he would say, you know, you guys... Uh, would 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 pretend there's a death just in order to get uh, listeners. And I used to say, no, <laughs> right. we wouldn't. No, we wouldn't. I remember you saying that to Doug. Anyway, yeah. so uh, Doug died, uh, um, and we are devoted to figuring out um, just who killed him. The, the police have ruled it a homicide. But I, I believe what this listener is doing is connecting Doug to Thomas Coyne, our guest from uh, episode three, the survivalist of this podcast, who never showed up. And has been missing ever since. Yeah. Yeah, A a lot of nobodies have been wondering if there's a connection between Coin and Doug. Well, it's certainly worth looking into. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I, I feel so stupid. I was just about to say, Doug, could you look into that? 
And oh, then, yeah. <laughs> oh, that yeah. makes me so sentimental. Because remember all those days when we could just kind of like toss a comment over our shoulder like, Doug, can you handle that? Yeah, and he and could. Then, that and, was the amazing thing. Well, he could, but most of the time he um, he made Tony do it, of all people. Like, he wouldn't get well, to it, and Tony would have to do it. I remember how mad that would make Tony, the way that she'd stomp I, on the floor and go like, Doug, I'm going to fucking kill you. Okay. Remember that? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, that would happen a lot. Oh. oh. Yeah. Well, you know, one of these... I swear to God, Doug, I will beat you to death with Adam Felber's book if I have to. You know, Adam, you might want to be telling this to the police. I, I, what? I, I no, don't remember. Just... That's not the sort of thing Tony Anita would ever say, Adam Felber. <laughs> I, I, I will defend her in a court of law. I will go. I will go to the defense of Tony Anita Hall. She is a dear girl, and she would never do such a thing. I'll tell. I'll tell you what I think happened. Um, was one of the jobs we had asked Doug to do. Uh, was to. Make sure that Bonnie was paying attention. Oh, boy. <laughs> and that apparently. <laughs> yeah. And we did learn a couple of weeks ago that Doug's last name was Burns. We've never gotten to the bottom of that. Strand. That could just be a coincidence, you know. It, it a, could be, but Bonnie hasn't said a word about it. Maybe she didn't notice. <laughs> you know what? I don't give a shit about Doug. What? <laughs> that is so oh my rude. God. I know. Yeah. I can't believe. Yeah. You know, a lot Tony, of times what else when, you got? When, when sometimes when Bonnie's on with Carmax, she gets irritable. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a clue? Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean I don't want I need the undercoating? I don't want the undercoating. <laughs> no, that's Earl Scheib. Oh, sorry about that. Uh Tony, what else you got? There's one more. One more. Oh, one more for the okay. about the hunt, uh, you know your favorite Adam the hundredth collar contest. Um, oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, this is from. Glad a, we stuck around for this one. From a faithful nobody named Todd. Uh, do we get to vote on who should win the hundredth collar contest? Because clearly Winnie Rose Feynman wants and deserves to spend time with Adam after the game more than anyone else. She could use a new crockpot from Roger Federer's appliance store, even if it's slightly used, as it may help to appease her mother. Todd. Wow, Todd. Wow. Uh, Todd, there's so many good points in this. I, I, I will say one <laughs> no, thing. No, there's so many bad points in this. <laughs> no. For, uh, first of all, uh, first of all, the way that we decide who wins the 100th collar contest, and I thought this was clear in the rules, is it's who calls in the hundredth time after the ninety ninth caller? Yes, that's yeah. clear. Yeah, but so, the, so uh, no, Todd. Your answer is no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean it may well be Winnie Feynman, and 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 I I hope that it is because you're right, Todd. Wait. I think she would. I, I, uh, no, it's not. Uh, it's not up to me, Adam. I'm just saying. You know, um, this is like in some ways. I is, feel like it might be. No, it's not up to me at all. Um, but. I will say that in terms of the crock pot, Adam owes Winnie a crock pot. Uh, I do not. She shouldn't have to use her win uh, to get a crock pot for her mother. Adam borrowed her crock pot and and never. I didn't gave it back. And and I I talked I talked to Winnie a couple of days ago, and they have had um, cold unmixed casseroles for months. Okay. I want to make a couple of points here. Number one, I never received 
a crockpot from Winnie. And number two, Paula, you and Todd are rooting for me to have to spend time with my stalker. She's not a stalker. Todd, thank you so much for that uh, oh that, that letter. Uh, I love mailbag. I love knowing, uh, you know, what the listeners are thinking. Um, thank you. Thank, <laughs> thank you, Todd. She's not a stalker. She's totally a stalker. Well, you know what? You guys, while we were doing the mailbag... Mailbag! Another, oh, another bid from... Wilbur Ross came in. Uh, Wilbur Ross, he's made a bid for $2,000 to purchase this chunk of plaster that Pete Seeger knocked out of a wall behind him when he threw his head back, singing, it was possibly Irene Goodnight, it was possibly Talking Union, it was possibly Waist Deep in the Big Muddy. Uh, I just don't understand why Wilbur Ross would even want this. On November 7th, 2017, Forbes magazine reported that Ross inflated his net worth to be included in the magazine's annual, you know, world's wealthiest list. Forbes also said that it looked like Ross had been providing inaccurate information since 2004. Why would a man like that want an artifact from award-winning Singer Pete Seeger. Pete Seeger is in the Grammy Hall of Fame. He received a Kennedy Center Honor, a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award, an award from the National Medal of Arts, a George Peabody Medal. And and here I have this piece of plaster that he banged out of the wall with his head. I really don't want it to go to Wilbur Ross. Well, I got to say, Paula, it sounds to me like the answer to this question might be phrenology. What? Well, you know, phrenology, uh, the long discredited pseudoscience of measuring and uh, bumps and dimensions of the human head to determine uh, various things about the person inside that head, it, it strikes me as just the kind of pseudoscience that Wilbur Ross might subscribe to. It's inherently a racist pursuit. Um, I imagine that Wilbur Ross might be a closet phrenologist and he would like to get out a caliper and measure that piece of plaster to find out what Pete Seeger's head was like. That is a far-fetched theory, but it's possible. Uh, it's, it's absolutely it's, plausible, I think. It's 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 possible. Um, sure as I'm sitting here, that's a phrenologist. A, 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 Adam, answer the phone. What? Answer the phone. I want to talk about phrenology. I don't want to answer this stupid you phone. Can't, you, answer the phone. What? I, no, I... <laughs> Would you answer the phone? Hello? Hey, Adam, this is Mike Boom Boom Boniface. I think you're right, man. I think that's what? exactly what Wilbur Ross wants that Pete Seeger plastic plaster from the... That's... that. Yeah, he's a phrenologist. I think you're right, man. He wants, he wants a, he's going to use his calipers and study the head of Pete Seeger. I think that's right. What the fuck's the matter with Paula Poundstone? What? You're right, but, you know? But Thank she you, Mike. But such a bitch. Hey, 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 Mike. Man, I Come don't know on, I, I put up with her. I really I, don't know. And how do you know that's really the, the piece of blaster that uh, Pete Seeger not? So wait a minute. He was singing like, Michael Rowe, and then he hit his head on the wall, and she has the blaster? That's bullshit, man. That's uh, that's ridiculous. Well, I apparently it's right been verified by, by Don't Ask Acquisitions. Oh, don't ask acquisitions. I get some yeah. shit from them. They're really Oh, yeah? Funny. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
So, yeah, I do. Uh, so are you going to bid, uh, Mike? Hey, man, listen. I got to go. I, I got to go. Okay. Uh, 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 what, am I the 100th caller? No, you're caller number 83 by my calculations. Oh, man. So close. Oh, Not I really. Can't wait to, I can't wait to hang out with you after the game, Adam. You take care, man. You take care. Take care, Mike. <laughs> take care, Mike. Wow, Paula. Uh, whew. Well, we've been talking about getting lost this week, and I feel like I'm lost right now, but I'm hoping that our listeners aren't going to get lost on their way to the Poundstone product line. Hey, Adam! Adam! Wait a minute! Oh, I'm so what? happy! There is... Uh, there... Uh, oh, no, there isn't. Never mind. Ah, damn what? it. What? I thought there was another... I thought there was another um, online bid, but there isn't. You guys, there's only a few more minutes for online bids. Please don't let Wilbur Ross have this chunk of plaster that Pete Seeger knocked out of the wall with his head. Right. <sighs> now, Paula, uh, do you have an online store that you want to tell people about? I do. I'm so glad you okay. mentioned it. My store is okay. easy to find, by the way. It's at paulapoundstone.com. You can get the Poundstone Pussy Pillows, which uh, are four and a half by five inches. I've been saying the wrong measurements. Can you believe it? Um, they're no. four and a half by five inches. They're uh, little pillows filled with catnip. There's a cat joke on one side and then the other side. I'd be happy to sign it, to autograph it to your cat. And when you go online to purchase it at paulapoundstone.com, go to the store and there's a little form there that you fill out. You put your cat's name in there and I'm happy to sign it to your cat. Um, and new to the website, by the way, are RX laughter videos. They're comedy videos that I made to help get people through the uh, challenge of the coronavirus and and the stay-at-home order. Featuring, by the way, my own workout videos. They're called um, Your New Best Workout Buddy. Uh, there's a series of them. There are four up there now, I think it is. And uh, I figure people might enjoy working out with me more than they would enjoy working out with, well, professional trainers and... Uh, there you go. Oh, well, uh, th- those those videos, I've seen a couple. They're fantastic. And uh, obviously, the Poundstone Pussy Pillows are a great addition to any feline-friendly household. Now, we want to hear from all you nobodies out there. We can't do mailbag without it. So if you want to enter our theme song contest or send us a succinct show description or just drop us a line, that address, one more time, is Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. Once again, that's nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. You can find me and Adam on Instagram, Facebook, and wait a minute, another an online bid for the Pete Seeger uh, pl- plaster <laughs> chunk. Uh, this is from a nobody named Apple Butter. What are the odds of that? A nobody named Apple Butter has bid $2,500. Thank goodness this isn't going to Wilbur Ross. Um, uh, this is a chunk of plaster that came out of a wall that uh, Pete Seeger hit with his head when he was singing. And for those of you who are not familiar with Pete Seeger, on August 18th, 1955, he testified before the House Un-American Activities Committee. He refused to take the fifth and he refused to tell them with whom he associated. He told them that he loved his country 
and that it was improper of them to ask such questions. He said, I'm proud that I never refused to sing to an audience, no matter what religion or color of their skin or situation in life. I have sung in hobo jungles. I have sung for the Rockefellers. And someone else later pointed out that he refused to sing for the HUAC. He was sentenced to a year in prison, but the conviction was overturned on appeal. Still, he was blacklisted for years. Uh, and we now have uh, Apple Butter, one of our nobodies, has bid $2,500 outbidding Wilbur Ross, Secretary of Commerce, uh, for this historic plaster chunk. Thank you so much, Apple Butter. Congratulations, Apple Butter. And if Wilbur <laughs> Ross wants to come over with his calipers to get some data on uh, Pete Seeger's cranium, I would say let him because what's the possible harm? All right, that's our show. Wait a no, minute. No, it's not what? our show. You can find me and Adam on, I was saying, Instagram, Facebook, <laughs> and Twitter. We're all over the place. And check out our Facebook page at Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. That's our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. It's hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam LeFelber. Special thanks to our guest, Dr. Giuseppe Yara. And thanks to our house band, Matt Evans. Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, Tony Anita Hull, and the late Doug the Intern. Mixing by Michael Hoagie. Starburns production by Land Romo. Thank you to former intern Doug. We, we really couldn't have done any of this without you, except these last few weeks when it's run really smoothly. Technical direction by Jessica Gutierrez. Transcription services for the show provided by Transcribe Me, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? Yeah, that was fun. That was you never fun. got into phrenology? No. Yeah. Tried to divide the head into regions where thoughts happened. Well, that's what um, that's what Giuseppe does. Get into phrenology. <laughs> this head is your head. This head is <laughs> from California. <laughs> Scarpins Avenue, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.